0: I'm diking out, you're diking out Let's dike out together See what's all about
2: Hi and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast where two self identified dykes trap impressive queer people into having long conversations with them. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali. And today we are diking out about personality with the filmmaker, writer, and actor we can't shut up about, Desiree Akhavan. Oh my God. We're talking to Desiree Akhavan, you guys. Um, if you've listened to the podcast,
1: you know. <laughs> This is a long time coming.
2: Yeah, and if you're new to the the podcast, you are in for a treat. It was a couple of months ago we were interviewed by Go Magazine, and they asked us who would be kind of our dream guests, and as one of them, we wrote Desiree Akhavan, and it happened. So I think that Go Magazine is magical, and yeah. we also said Rosie O'Donnell, so that. Must be right around the bend. (laughs) So that's coming up because I
1: fully believe in the powers of manifestation now. (laughs)
2: Yes, yes, me too. It was a little bit of a different recording than our typical conversations go. You'll you'll see, but I think it's great. It's a little bit more loose. We were having a wine night, drinks were had, and Melody, you opened up about something that you haven't really talked about on the podcast before, so that's a nice little tease to... yes. I Keep your invested, the Susans. Yeah. <laughs> it is
1: such a casual conversation and then I just kind of like drop a bomb. And,
2: um, and then halfway it, through, I'm like, uh, maybe we should talk about this.
1: It's the perfect episode for me to come out with this, we'll say, and you'll see why.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's great, though. It's a fun conversation with somebody that uh, we're both big fans of. So it was pretty cool. A couple of announcements, uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Five stars. It helps people find us. Uh, also, I have some shows coming up. Uh, I said I wasn't interested in doing Zoom shows, and now I have two in one week. Whoa. And if you want to tune in, I haven't written jokes or performed in months, so this should be interesting. I'm going to have to figure something out this week, but Friday... At 7 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to be on a show called Queerly Comedic, and at 9 p.m., I'm going to be on the Ithaca Comedy Festival, which I didn't even know I got into, so (laughs) uh, two chances to see me this upcoming Friday, and uh, I will post about that on Facebook, probably, or Instagram, so make sure you're following me there if you want to see it. Who knows what it'll be like? I want to see it. I don't want to do this, but I think I'll make some COVID jokes because I had it, right? So, oh yeah, does that mean I get to write about it? That yeah, that means you get to let,
1: let me feel <laughs> no a little
2: bit special. <laughs> yeah, we have a couple other things to talk about uh on etsy we're on etsy now so if you go to etsy slash shop slash Diking out we have some new merch there uh we have a shirt and everything is designed by cecilia and she's also including some items that aren't necessarily queer but she designed it so it's up there but we have uh out sweatpants we have Uh, Those Mind Your Heterosexual Business shirts that people have been buying up, which is great. And also a shirt that says, Ask Me About My Gay Agenda. And I like that one. So, (laughs) yeah, a whole bunch of things to see there. Uh, Phone cases, whatever. Go to Etsy. It's a good way to support the podcast and wear cool stuff. Uh, Also on Patreon... We are putting out so much there and we've been trying to do these queer questions after each interview. We didn't do one with Desiree, but what we did do was, (laughs) at least on my end, I got a little bit wine drunk uh, and we had a (laughs) post-interview Zoom where I'm tipsy, Cecilia makes an appearance and I think we'll just put some of that up on Patreon. She talks about her nipples, uh, just... (laughs) (laughs) You're acting surprised you were there, Melody, or were you wine drunk, too? I was a little wine drunk. (laughs) That was me in real time realizing what I said
1: there. (laughs) Oh, so I'll look out for that content, too. Should
2: be fun to watch. (laughs) Yeah, that was fun. I know. I'm afraid to revisit it because I do not like watching myself when I'm tipsy, but I think that um, at some point the wine really hit at the end. Of the interview, and then we went on to Zoom for, I think, like an hour. I didn't realize it was that long uh, until... I looked at the file, and I'm like, oh, man, this post-interview is longer than the interview. Anyway, what's going on? It was Allie's birthday last week. It was Allie's birthday. She said all she wanted to do was
1: watch season four of RuPaul's Drag Race all day and eat cake, but like not just any cake, very, very specific, expensive cake from Milk Bar, which if you don't Was it worth it? It was so worth it. Have you ever had this cake? The for milk bar, the birthday cake?
2: Yes. And the one time I had it was at a queer engagement party. There so. you go. Yeah. I mean, it's the gayest cake. It is. It's a fun this cake. It solidifies it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, so what happened was uh, about two years ago, around this time two years ago, Chef's Table came out with their pastry series on Netflix. And the first episode was on Christina. She has um, a gift. It's, if you've ever been to New York and gone to Milk Bar, there's a lot of treats she's known for really just using like cereal milk in her ingredients for, yeah. there's like
2: cereal milk ice cream. She has crack pie is also pretty the famous. The crack pie is what I've heard a lot about and I've, I've never tried it. It sounds delicious. Yes. It sounds very indulgent. Isn't it just basically like butter?
1: Yeah. It's a lot of butter. Just they butter.
2: Have, um... The, uh, the
1: the the birthday cake though, um, they yeah. there's like a very almost pornographic <laughs> like sequence in that episode where they're making that cake and she's going into the background on it and everything that goes into it and ever since then I think this came out around this time in 2018. Ever since then, Allie's been talking about this cake. So this was like so a she huge- had
2: never had it.
1: No, and but she knew she Did it loved it. it live up it.
2: to it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, um okay. It serves
1: 14. We finished it within 12 hours. Um,
2: yes.
1: <laughs> I can see in our Zoom call right now, my face is, like, I've put on, like, poundage from Allie's birthday, because it was Allie's birth week. It was just, like, I'm usually the sure. healthier one in the relationship. I'm always scheduling our walks, and you know, trying to sneak in a vegetable here and there. Um, but since it was her birth week, it was um, requested that I shut up about um, health. <laughs> so she um, didn't have to go on any of the walks this week if she didn't want to. And she got to order all week um, anything she wanted from delivery for dinner. And she's, I guess, on a Philly cheesesteak kick. We had three Philly cheesesteak dinners. like
2: in Wow, the, I love a the good week. food kick. Yeah. It we
1: it was the most indulgent week, but yeah, topped it off with that cake. So freaking good.
2: Um, I miss it.
1: <laughs> Do you see me staring into the middle distance right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Just fondly remembering
1: memories of that cake. It. Yeah. So that was that was it. That's all she wanted. And
2: that does sound a little bit like me and Cecilia, where I'm usually the one who's like come on, we have to be healthier and like, let's do this and let's do that. And she'll be like, can you just let me enjoy my life? Uh, But now it's kind of changed a little bit because since I've been indoors more, she's like, come on, you need to go on a walk. You need to go outside. Let's go. And then she's also been asking me to meditate. So she's gotten really into meditation and I just, I don't know what it is. I just resist everything Cecilia wants. Like whenever she asks about something, my answer is always no. And maybe it's just so she's happier when I come around eventually and say yes, then it's more exciting for her. So are you, did you meditate? I did. I did. And now we're, now we're meditating together. Interesting. But then sometimes I can feel her staring at me. I'm like, what are you doing? We're supposed to be meditating. And she's just looking over at me and she'll be like, <laughs> you're so beautiful. I'm like, stop it. That's not what meditating is. I know you're very sweet, but <laughs> if I'm going to agree to do this, we must do this right.
1: Oh my right. God. Interesting that you should call off mic called Allie and I codependent because we call ourselves codependent. But that you're meditating We're together. <laughs> 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 very like singular personal <laughs> thing. Uh, I, I think, I think we've right
2: become very codependent in this quarantine. I did bring it up to her. I think actually yesterday I was like, "Are we becoming a little bit too codependent?" She's like, "No, we're fine. We spend a lot of time in different rooms." I'm like, "Okay, just making making sure." Yeah. If you're in a couple and you're not codependent right now in quarantine, yeah.
1: you're fighting. Like You're going to like, You hate each other's guts or, yeah, you're on the fritz or you're codependent. There's yeah, no in between yeah, right now. You have no choice to be, especially in a one-bedroom apartment in New York City.
2: Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see if meditating makes me more zen. I say this all... Having just meditated
1: with Allie. (laughs) (laughs) Like Allie and I (laughs) meditated together. Past guest, friend of the pod, Ever Maynard, is doing guided meditations on Zoom. And they are actually really good. She's, as you heard on the podcast, if you heard her episode, very off the walls, hyper manic (laughs) person. But she's also got this very zen grounded side and she's been doing these specifically targeted for the artist and creative guided meditations on zoom and it's like a lot of actresses and comics and la gals so like they're very it's just normal for them to do a zoom meditation i guess but um (laughs) Allie and i did it together because we're both friends with ever but we were like next time we got to be in separate rooms it's very weird to meditate Next to someone, because there's parts of at least Evers' meditation where she makes you say out loud to yourself, like, I love you, Melody. You know, like, and Allie and I were just, (laughs) like, getting distracted by each other's, like, we're just laughing at each other's tone and, like, choices and how to (laughs) talk to
2: ourselves. It's easy to get distracted by other people's breathing, too. I'm like, why... Why, Cecilia, why are you breathing so loud? I know you're supposed to take I know, deep breaths, like you, but your then breathing's I'm performative. Like, yeah, yeah, it feels very performative. Like she's trying to outbreathe me in meditation, but maybe that's just me and my competitive spirit. I think it's a contest. That's in this apartment yeah. with two comics. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, great, you're crushing it. I know. We need validation wherever we can get it right now. And if it's uh, from me- meditation, I'll take it. That's how you know we're getting <laughs> yeah. desperate here. Uh, what's, the, what's the gayest thing yeah. that you did this week besides, like, dyking out or having sex? The new segment alert. What's the yes. gayest thing you did this yeah, week? Yeah, let's do it. Right?
1: You know, what takes the cake? What takes the birthday cake this week? We got matching masks. That's it. Um, because we're still wearing masks here in New York and um, ideally yes. everywhere. Um, I say this on Memorial Day weekend where I'm seeing a lot of shady footage from, from our beaches, but I mean, wearing a mask at a beach, whatever. (laughs) Um, we got coronavirus masks. Um, we're finally done with the surgical masks. not a good look. We're starting to realize that these masks are definitely going to be a part of our daily life. So we might as well look cute. So what did we get?
2: Masks with our cat's face printed all over it. (laughs) It's I don't so cute. You know we're we're doing this segment now of what's the gayest thing you've done this week but like you're starting you're peaking too soon Melody that's the gayest possible thing <laughs> you could do is get matching right? masks of your own cat. <laughs> Josie the cat. If you don't follow me on
1: Instagram please um check out Josie the cat at Melody Kamali and then you'll understand. He's Not your average cat. I know everyone loves their cat. This is a gorgeous, beautiful, full-faced cat. And um, what happened was Allie and I um, got a little high and thought it'd be funny to send text messages of our cat, pictures of our cat to her cousin, Tanya, who in North Carolina has a screen printing side hustle. She makes a lot of t-shirts. A lot of Jesus T-shirts. Um, In June, last June, she sent us a massive rainbow-filled love is love <laughs> shirt. And we thought, why don't we have her make us something gay in our own way? We're going to send us, <laughs> we're going to send what we want. So yeah, we just, as a joke, like we were just a little stoned and we thought it was funny. And we just sent her, and we're like, could you make these into masks? And then just like days later, they appeared in the mail. And <laughs> they're that perfect. is amazing.
2: and
1: That's got to be the gayest thing.
2: That is. I've done. I can't. I can't top that. You definitely win for being the gayest. <laughs> you and Allie both. Uh, I wish I had a trophy for you. I mean, I say this wearing a shirt with Allie's face on yeah. it actually <laughs> should <laughs> That is also um, please this... take a picture of that for our, our Instagram account because
1: I know. Oh man, we should do a collaboration with Honeybee Print. That's Tanya's t-shirt company. She actually made this as a kind of like test joke kind of thing. Cause she'll make t-shirts for Allie to sell at the college gigs she does for students. And, um, this one she kind of made, like she didn't mean to mass produce this one. It's, uh, got Allie's face on it, a huge rainbow over it. Uh, hashtag Carolina gay girl. That's just a random hashtag Allie made up and started tagging all her posts with
2: (laughs) (laughs) and then her handle on it. Gotta own a
1: hashtag. We did a show in North Carolina at a club there, Charlie Goodnight's in Raleigh. Tanya showed up wearing this shirt, and then Allie crushed so hard that people saw the shirt afterwards and were like, oh my god, I want that shirt. So then she just started making them, and Allie sells these now at her college gigs. I sleep in it, it's very comfortable, but I don't know, is this the gayest thing I've done (laughs) this week? Record dyking out wearing a huge t-shirt with my girlfriend's face on it and a rainbow over it. I don't know. If I put the mask on right now, (laughs) boom. I think you would just disappear. I think you would just turn
2: into a rainbow and I'd never see you again.
1: I would would just turn into a rainbow.
2: Wow. I I was trying to think of what the gayest thing I did this weekend really was just um, a five minute moment where you know we've been doing a lot of like cleaning of our apartment a lot of purging and we came across these things that a friend gave to me that we never really used because I was like this is a weird random thing like I don't know what you expect us to do with it I think it was like I don't want to trash somebody for giving me presents but (laughs) it's like is this just because we're gay it was this Inflatable unicorn horn okay, And it was like a rainbow (laughs) unicorn horn With like little unicorn ears Next to it And just to put around my head Like Cecilia and I are just gonna sit around Like a couple of (laughs) gay unicorns I guess, I don't know So we've had them in a closet for a while And then Cecilia was gonna get rid of them I'm like, we can't get rid of them Without having ever used them so I took it out, I blew it up, and then it was very phallic because it was, like, this <laughs> this horn with, like, two little things on the side. Oh. So I just, I just put it over my crotch and started chasing Cecilia around the apartment with it, <laughs> uh, pretending like I was going to nail her with this inflatable uh, unicorn That's how horn. you make it, That's band. the gayest thing I did this <laughs> week, yeah. It was a good five-minute... Uh, Unicorn strap-on gag. You were absolutely gifted that because you were gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love something that somebody gives you because they're like, hey, I know a lesbian who will like this. <laughs> well, what do you say we get to our convo with Desiree Akvan? She directed The Miseducation of Cameron Post and created and starred in the movie Appropriate Behavior, as well as the show The Bisexual, which is on Hulu. All of these things can and should be streamed. It's some of the best queer content out there. And let's give a big salam. Yes. To Desiree Akman. <laughs> Love
3: it. I also might be like your grandmother i'm guessing you're both in your 20s and
2: and no uh okay no. you're you're actually four days older than me oh shit according to wikipedia uh <laughs> oh yeah what is your according to wikipedia I,
1: you have your birthday is like one day before mine or really? something too so you guys
3: are both and also yeah. christmas babies like i
2: am And uh i'm new year's yeah. day so my parents were always very oh. hungover on my birthday it's the worst. It
3: could not be less fun, and I hate the holidays yeah. anyway. Like Christmas and New Year's, and all like all of my worst worst memories are from me that. Too.
1: Well, did you celebrate as a Persian? Hey, I'm Persian oh. too, and bisexual, and just you. I I just have to say right off the top, you freak me out. <laughs> like your existence is crazy to me. I when I found out about you. Appropriate behavior had just come out. I was reading Roger Eatbird's review and I was like, okay, this sounds like me. I started off dating women and became hetero curious in my mid 20s and started like shifting to women. I was very like ashamed of it. Like you were just like, I bisexual wasn't even out yet, but at this point I was like, well, I have a lot in common with this person. And then I like looked you up and saw you have a birthday the day before mine. Everything. About you seems <laughs> like it's too relatable. It's too much.
3: That's <laughs> so weird. What? Where, where I are know, you? I know my go? parents are
1: from Tehran. um Thank They you. fled the revolution. Where did they go um, to? Where, did, where were you raised? Connecticut. Like oh my god! So you're in the tri.
3: But like the fact that you're not in LA, yeah. Girl is like, like right. So a that's difference. a whole different. Yeah, we're tri-state yeah. girls. There's a
1: difference. That we're not like Kardashians. What's your What's your last name? Kamali.
2: Kamali. Which I
1: guess is... I mean, in Farsi, it means perfect. Um oh. <laughs> Brag. <laughs> but it, I was told it was uh, Turkish, too. I'm part Turkish and Azerbaijan, but um, my parents are from
3: Tehran. Holy shit. That's it's, so weird. It's
1: Kamali Zunuzi, and they cut it to Kamali when they moved here. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a long name. But I don't even pronounce my own last name correctly. I'm just like, yep, Kamali. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> So this is like the first time I'm actually pronouncing it correctly <laughs> because yeah, just that's for you, cool. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate everything you do. Oh,
2: <laughs> thank you. I just imagine like Melody thinking you're never going to relate to somebody and then seeing uh, appropriate behavior and being like, "Wait, who is this person and why is her life so similar to mine and I never thought I would see this like in media." It freaked me out. It's so crazy to think that
3: well also like I had never even heard of a, a gay Iranian when I came out. Never. Like, it was such a wild thing. And like Ahmadinejad had just said at Columbia, he was the president at the time. And he was like, there's no such thing as gays in Iran. And like right. that kind of matched that. up to the life. Yeah. Like that was very much the life I lived. Like the world that I knew of Iranians were like super duper straight. They all lived with their parents and then married the kids of their parents, best friends. Like it was a really specific trajectory. I have so many questions for you. First yeah. Of all, or like second cousins. <laughs> um, what when did you come out and how awful was it on a scale of I'm gonna disown you to I'm just shunning you and not talking to you for a while? Well,
1: my parents were really skeptical, um, growing up. That I w- like my parents are very blunt, and it was almost like a joke, like Melody, are you gay? Like, um, so it was almost like it pushed me further into the closet. Um, I came out to my mom when I was maybe around 20. I was home from oh, school. Yeah. yeah, I was drunk. Um, <laughs> I came more. home from partying <laughs> with friends and just crawled into her bed and like cried in her lap <gasps> oh, and came out to her like not facing her.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and she just, she didn't say anything. Um, like I remember, and was it appropriate behavior when your mom character's like, no, you're not. Yeah, yeah. My mom, it's like, she didn't say that, but she just kind of, kind of ignored it but like stroked my head and then we never spoke of it of course of and course, we never really course. talked about my I was a late bloomer too I'm saying like everything about you freaks me out went to film school like ah! Wait, are, you <laughs> um, a, are you a
3: filmmaker
1: um yeah I I went to tv school I went to school for tv writing and production oh, but weird. um uh, it's a media arts school in Chicago called Columbia College um but I just fell in love with stand-up while I was in school and instead of Really, like I worked at a TV station, then I freelanced in production in Chicago. But the industry, there's I
3: mean TV is really worst. limited. Don't
1: do TV. Yeah, I was like working in broadcast. Actually, the channel I worked for was cool. It Was a it's called Antenna TV. It's like a retro programming channel. So I would make promos for like I Dream of Genie and Bewitched marathons and like That's cut together cool. like it was snappy promos. So that was fun. But yeah, never really went for it because I just fell in love with stand up and was like maybe tv like production maybe that'll all come eventually mm-hmm. from stand up and went down that route but yeah just to even hear of a persian who pursued filmmaking would have been enough I know <laughs> me too me. me too i've never met anyone who does any of the things i do so it's crazy yeah. that you are so many of those things i know i didn't come out to my dad until like a few years ago too because my girlfriend invited herself to thanksgiving and i was like oh i, I we have to do this fast <laughs> i called my dad from chicago ah. i was like guess what um, oh wait, T- because... tell the best part of that though. Oh, that that she called them. Oh, she Oh yeah, because my parents names my Oh, I dated a boy for a while too. When I realized I was bisexual, I like was like, "Oh, I'm just I'm, I really wanted to work with this guy. I dated him for a couple of years. He was Middle Eastern too, so I was just kind of Perfect. not going to come out to my dad until like Perfect. to yeah. see if that worked out. So maybe I would never have to, right? He was Jordanian. He had Persian family. He like knew some Farsi. It was like was amazing, cool. but um, he was very emotionally abusive and toxic. Yikes. Um, and and so identified that- as a lesbian. Oh, yeah. Lesbian trapped in a man's body. Gross. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, but I broke up with him. Um, and then when I started dating my girlfriend like six months later, she was living in New York. I was in Chicago. We were long distance. Um, I'm from Connecticut. So when I go home, I fly into New York. Right. And take Metro North to Connecticut, and I always visit with friends, and I was going to spend some time with my girlfriend in Brooklyn and then take the train for Thanksgiving. H- was had no plans of inviting her for Thanksgiving, and she just assumed she was invited. Um, so when I show up to her apartment... Why
3: would you assume that? Your girlfriend sounds like a sociopath.
1: She's actually just like, just buddy the elf. Like, she's like this southern, a- like, <laughs> sweet, like, just very in love with me right away. I, and... Invited herself over. Just assumed she was coming. Like, when I showed up at her apartment, she had suitcases packed to go for the weekend for Thanksgiving. I was like, oh, oh, no, you're not coming because I'm not out to my dad. I had to quickly, like, call my dad and come out to him. And by the way, she's coming in
3: a few days. You're going to meet her. Um, I can't believe you. have was, to say, you <laughs> have a lot of integrity. I would have just been like, this is my friend. Like, if uh, I were coming <laughs> home and I hadn't come out to my dad by that point, I would just be like, Whoa. We're tight. But I came out to my mom,
1: <laughs> and they tell, they say she says she won't tell him, but they talk, and I feel like he already knew. Okay, so you think he knew? Yeah, and she was just like, "Okay, their names. Um, can you say it one more time?" She's just practicing in her thick southern accent how to say their Persian names, and she's like, "I, I don't know. It, they it's Hamid and Nasrin." Yeah, and but you
3: should never call them Hamid and Nasrin. You should say like "ahoye," oh, hey, whatever. The oh, fuck she you doesn't love know asking. that. On, you, whatever. You just like you're. Sir and, like, last names, you don't call them by their first... Or you say June afterwards, you're like... Right.
1: She took it even further and was like, well, I can't pronounce those, so I'm just going to go with mom and dad. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and... um,
3: Thank she God did not we're still together. This dead. was
1: 2060.
3: Oh did yeah, not call her Yeah, Caven. Um, I hilarious. think she started throwing
1: on June because I told her to. But yeah, just say June. Just say, just say June. T- um, my mom did not like. She couldn't her say nasty. Yeah, you can be tired Ah, It's
3: like a little bit. Like I don't know the word poru in English, but it's. Like, I know. I had to describe it. It's like a little and obnoxious. She is. Like yeah. <laughs> It's going a step too far. It's right. like thinking, it's you just, you're a little too confident. Oh yeah, that's her. And you're still in love, so congratulations.
1: Yeah, thank <laughs> God that stuck. That would have been just not worth it.
3: So you have your parents come around?
1: Yeah, my dad loved her right away. Um, and my mom did not for like a year. It was really hard for her. Um, Moms are hard to please. Yeah, she's finally come around and... They're fine with it now. But yeah, my mom, it, it took a while.
3: Was she like, you could do better with a woman? Like, you can find a cooler, lesbian? like doctor? Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. Because she, she's also a stand up comedian. So there we Oh, am. God. Your parents
3: are very I know. kind people. Their American <laughs> dream is a full blown nightmare. Yeah, my, exactly. My, my parents didn't come around to the gay thing until I dated someone with a really good job. And they were
2: like, okay. Yeah, I can
3: see how this could look good on paper.
2: Right. Do they watch your movies and your sh- TV show? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my dad, my mom, yes.
3: Like, and rewatches it in a way that I'm like, please stop. This is <laughs> disgusting. But my dad, like, he's on a need to know basis. And if I invite him to like a premiere or something, he'll watch it. But like, I don't think he's seen all of the bisexual, but I did invite him to a screening that screened the first two episodes. So I think he's seen episodes one and two and my top comes off in episode two. So I think like he'll do it, but <laughs> it's unfair. It's it's not nice what I do to him. I feel a lot of guilt. Like he definitely watched the threesome and appropriate behavior
2: at Sundance. Oh man. I just rewatched that today. Wow. <laughs> that Can I say that threesome scene was, I'd never felt so seen before because like the one time I tried partaking in a threesome that was like, Exactly. I just like froze up and I'm like, why am I here and why am I doing this? And just I ruined it. Just ruined the. I was like trying to stall and pulling up YouTube videos to distract them. And they're like, you pulled up YouTube videos? Where where, where, where would you? YouTube videos? Like,
3: why was your phone so handy? You were not, they were not pleasing you if your phone was within arm's grasp. Yeah. You know, like I feel like they failed. You, if you knew well, exactly where your phone was, and we're grabbing it in the middle of sex. It
2: it wasn't it wasn't in the middle. It was like before. Like I knew that. That's like we met at a bar. We came back to my place, and I knew that that was. How did you know
3: when you met at a bar? Did you just like meet that night, or did you like
2: just just met that night? And it was like at a lesbian bar, and this guy was there with his girlfriend. I mean, by
3: happenstance, like they were at the bar, and you were like, "Yeah, couple, okay." Oh wow, yeah, I I was interested. Yeah, 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 yeah. and you (laughs) are like, "This sounds like a recipe."
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was interested in the girlfriend and the, and the guy seemed cool. And for some reason, I just thought like, well, I guess this is a package deal. And if I want to hook up with her, he has to Mm -hmm, come mm -hmm, too. mm -hmm. And I had never like slept with a guy or anything yeah, yeah, yeah. and I like I you were a gold star you lost your star for that putz? I didn't lose it I didn't lose it good I was like I was like if your up. penis goes near me uh I will kill you so <laughs> well, I am like strictly here to hook up with your girlfriend while I guess you're also naked in the bed but yeah I pulled up videos of um Carol Channing um, from the no, made-for-TV movie, Alice in Wonderland. And <gasps> I don't know what was going on in my mind, but I'm like, you guys, you didn't have to see this. That is the worst
3: boner killer there it, is. It is. The, like, I that's know exactly why. what you're talking yes, about. That that's footage why. is
2: haunting. The jam song, yeah. And then she turns into a sheep and I'm like, this. That's so, I've had nightmares <laughs> from that video. Like, I used to, I watched it as a kid and I was Horrified, why would you pull that up during sex? Because I didn't really want to have sex and I didn't know what to do because we had gone too far. You did not want to have
3: sex with them, right? Had gone too far. There's no woman who would ever pull up Carol Channing in Alice in Wonderland turning into a sheep and thinking that was good foreplay,
2: yeah. (laughs) So star is intact. Anyway, I know that that didn't yes. make it into appropriate behavior, but that was like kind of well, the the vibe of like now. this guy was <laughs> this guy was like like come on, and I was just seriously there like uh, <gasps> in my head, and then he oh, was like maybe we should. Did go. you
3: lose your boner for her too? You were just like I can't touch you.
2: No, I mean I was I was also very drunk, but uh, mm, but yeah we we hooked up a little bit and then I like went and hid in the bathroom until they were like are you Aww. okay and then I'm like yeah just Poor like baby. finish up and then they like finish and then in the morning I found like these little man hairs in my bed and I was so disgusted. Oh my God, they with were myself. at your place. They're at my place in my bed and they head. were finishing. They were fucking in my bed. Yeah, yeah. they were fucking in my bed. If I were
3: them, I would be so depressed. Like if I went to some girl's house, like hoping to seduce her and show her a good night and then she hid in the bathroom and then I'm like, I guess I got to complete this. I would feel really shitty.
2: The best part is they thought it went okay because afterwards he was like, so how'd that measure up? And I was like, it was all right. Bye guys.
3: Shame on him. See you on Facebook. Shame on him. He asked you how did that measure up?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, I think he really thought they were going to, like, impress me with their This is why you're
3: never going to lose that star.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, that guy
3: just asking. Like, you could have been curious and had a fun night one night randomly, but because that guy felt so entitled and confident that he could be, like... You had a good time, right? Like <laughs>
2: you're questioning your sexuality note, right? I literally hid in the bathroom and he thought that I was like mm. that he nailed it.
1: <laughs> oh God.
2: But enough about me. What's going on with you? <laughs> so you are you're, you're, you're well, back have, in New York. I'm back in New York. At the you right guys time. Are in New York? Yeah, we're in New York. Oh, I'm God. in I'm in Sunnyside. In just for I'm, Sunnyside. In, I'm in PLG.
3: I Prospect don't know what Lefford. that means. <laughs> I just Don't learned. say that like it's a thing. Okay, we're not. <laughs> People no. told Prospect, me when
1: I moved to the, I'm sure they the Prospect say that. Lefford's Gardens. I'm right by Prospect Park. Like uh, that neighborhood okay. that's in between Crown Heights and the park that yeah, yeah, yeah. has like all the brownstones and
3: No, there are some beautiful, gardens. beautiful homes there. Do you live yeah. in a beautiful brownstone?
1: Oh, God, no. <laughs> <It's like laughs> we're a stand-up comedians,
2: Desiree. <laughs> stand-up. <laughs> I know. We get some paid of and drink really... tickets.
3: <laughs> I know. Oh. Oh God, yeah. guys, how are you holding up? As <laughs> stand-up comedians during an epidemic, uh,
1: I mean, just an identity crisis. I mean, <sighs> spent the last decade trying to or uh, trying to get good at stand-up, and for what? You know, it's a muscle, and it's not been exercised. And when is it ever going to come back?
3: You know, well, that's interesting. Like-
1: I never thought of it that way. That it's it's a
3: muscle, and if you let it atrophy, then you're fucked.
1: Oh yeah, if you go. At least, if I go a week or two without getting up, I feel very weird, and I won't have a oh, good so, set. Like you need to consistently awful. go up. Get
3: a new job. That yeah. career sounds so <laughs> punishing. I'm sorry. The best thing about filmmaking is like you only, unless you become super famous with your early work, in which I case, in which case, I think it makes you like kind of regress afterwards because you get too successful. This is out of observation, not personal, like not not experience because I have not, but. Um, I think for the most part, the great thing about uh, making things is like, you just get better. You learn from your mistakes and it's cumulative, but like to yeah. go a week without doing something and then you're shitty at it. Like that's, <laughs> that's the only reason why that's... I don't work out enough because yeah. I refuse to engage in such a ridiculous system.
1: Yeah. That's the tragic thing about stand-up. Like there's no tangible, um, prod, I mean, you just start over every but night. But don't you
3: get better? I don't believe that. Like, I believe, like, don't your stories get crafted a little better? It's a lot of writing. And I know you feed off an audience, but to say that, like, I haven't been in front of an audience for two months and I can't do this anymore.
2: I mean, I, I used to think that because I never did stand up, like, full throttle. But then when I would start, um, like, doing mini tours of different cities and doing it, like, three times a night every night for a few weeks... Uh, then I would notice the difference and be like, oh, this is why people say, do it every day. Like my confidence is way up. I'm so much better at being in the moment. I'm so much more in sync with the audience Uh, because I'm much more of like a writer. So I used to think like, oh, well, as long as I spend time writing, I don't need to go up every single night. Um, But there's like a momentum to stand up. But also I feel like... I've been thriving in quarantine uh, because I don't have that pressure to go out and do stand up mm-hmm. every night, and uh, and no one's doing better than
3: you. Like, there's no one like, exactly. I have I, like
2: you. zero FOMO, zero <laughs> pressure. An yeah, and I've been like like mentally in the best space. I think I've been in in a long time, actually. <laughs>
3: Congratulations! Thanks. <laughs> I think it would only be a stand-up comic who would be thriving in this moment. Yeah, like someone whose everyday life is so sad, and, <laughs> like low. Yeah. and I say this as a person who sees herself similarly, like as like like a like a frustrated filmmaker. Yeah, like someone who has already been living in like swimming in rock bottom. <laughs> that they come to quarantine and they're like, oh, I can begin to like put my head above water.
2: Yeah. All right. So have you had projects that have been like sidetracked because of this, or are you still able to like chug along on certain things?
3: I'm chugging on some things and I'm, some things have stalled. Like I had some money jobs that have been stalled, but the things that were mine, I am still pursuing. I don't know. I go back and forth. Like, I was like you for a while. I was like, I'm living my best life. I'm Stella from Stella Got Her Groove Back. I'm getting it back. (laughs) And then, like, recently, like, a series of events in the past few weeks have just, like, crushed, crushed, crushed me to the ground. And, like, today you're catching me in this moment of just, like... Deep, deep loneliness and fear and sadness. So, like, I think there are just so many shades. I find that, like, every week of quarantine, it's, like, I'm trapped in a different genre of movie. (laughs)
2: Like,
3: my grandma died in Iran, and I had to tell my mother. And for the week, I was in terms of endearment, like, family drama. And then like, I had like a little f- romance and I thought I was in When Harry Met Sally. And then it turns out that I was in Fatal Attraction. <laughs> and so this week I've been in Fatal Attraction being like, oh God, this is a nightmare. Um, and then when I like crawl out of this bullshit, like some other movie, like I'm hoping I'll be in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> like we'll see what's next. Oh. It's well, sorry definitely about your just your grandma.
1: A Thank you. Or at me again. I Oof.
3: What do your parents think about the fact that you host a podcast called Diking Out? Like, what is that experience like?
1: I still try and explain what a uh, podcast is. My mom listens to a lot of public radio, <laughs> so enough.
3: you're like, "Don't worry about it. I'm a lawyer.
1: I'm like, it's 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 like NPR, but you can you can play it whenever."
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> but the name does the name piss them off? Are they like, why would you call something Diking Out?
1: They don't get that that's such a slur enough to that's great right.
3: yeah that's <laughs> so great. and that's I tell them they're good. not
1: allowed to listen so oh they're not that's allowed fine. to listen and your yeah.
3: mother respects that
1: um I don't know my sister's quarantining with them right now and I'm like are they secretly listening she's like no they don't um so no, they don't like at least, you don't worry about it <laughs> yeah no I'm the favorite um <laughs> I'm here taking care of them um, yeah, they, I, am very candid, um, on the podcast and in my standup and I, uh, oh, yeah. been, do they go see your stand-up? No, they, they <gasps> only see me do it once. Um, and it was because we both happened to be in Atlanta and I had a show, so they came to it and they were horrified because this is a popular show in Atlanta, but it was at a bar, um. You can smoke in bars in Atlanta? Oh wow. This is like a bar show, but it's a big popular show. There's like 300 people is it there, Star bar? into this room and everyone's okay. smoking cigarettes. Star Bar. Yeah. On Monday nights, very good show. Um But yeah, that was the first and only time they saw me. My mom had this shawl around her. Like an Hermes
3: shawl, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) No, they're not like those Persians. They're like more humble (laughs) Persians. Um, (laughs) But she was just disappearing and shrinking and shrinking throughout
3: the show. Is it because of the cigarette smoking or because of your, (laughs) your content?
1: Like, I'm talking about my vagina. I'm on stage. They chose to sit in the front row.
3: Oh, God. They, did, they didn't know better. No. Like, you, if you're sitting in the front row at a comedy show, you're either, like, um, a sociopath or you... <laughs> or clueless. Yeah, oblivious.
1: And, um, yeah, just don't my better. mom will never see... Me. She asked if she wanted to go to another show that was um, happening near them like, after that. Happening. And she goes, I don't think I can do that. They're too uh, smoky. <laughs> they're <laughs> like, too smoky because i think she thinks that you can smoke at but, comedy yeah, shows in comedy general shows at. <laughs> but that's just a- atlanta
3: law she had to burn that shawl afterwards that's scar- good yeah
1: do you have hermes wearing shawl parents or aunts yes yes, yes, I, <laughs> do. Gerti, yes I do aunts and mom <laughs> <laughs> that. gerti is like bougie <laughs> to translate. I thought karate
3: is like a little bit flirty. Oh. Like I didn't realize karate is like bougie. Um, but I'll take it. I'm always learning. I don't, my voice is not that
1: good. Yeah. Mine gets worse and worse and worse. It was my first language. And, um, then I went to school and started speaking English. Um, and now it's just, my grammar's really bad. I can't read or write I did at one point. It's all just withering away because my family stopped. I don't know if you have a dramatic Persian family where they'll just not talk to like sisters oh, and yeah. brothers for oh years. Yeah, no, yeah I, like
3: there's no such thing as a family that's Persian that's like not yeah. doesn't have like several like torn ties, people that are dead to you, people who are new to you that used to be dead to you, yeah, and like some illegitimate children somewhere, yeah. like a secret family somewhere. Like we Absolutely. are dramatic as fuck. So dramatic. Oh, and then, like, if you're really upset, it feels, like, totally acceptable to break all the glasses in, like, the near vicinity. Like, if someone's emotions are going wild, they're learning know. so yeah. much.
2: Yeah. It's like, a
3: very dramatic... They'll resort to violence very quickly. Like, not that will like, draw blood, but that will fuck up the house. Like, you're just
1: like, what? Why is that
3: acceptable?
1: Yeah, because they drink at these parties pretty hard. I don't know about your... But
3: they're like party people. Like They're, they're party people. Drink I hard, that about dance Persians. hard. I'll say yeah. yes. Like, drink hard, dance hard is one of my favorite things about Persians. Uh, yes. But I will say that the violence and craziness I experienced was not a result of drinking or dancing. It was oh, just, just pure, pure emotion. Crazy. Yeah, it was <laughs> like the emotions are so overwhelming. It's funny because I'm a very emotional person, but like compared to where I'm from, I am like... Completely. That's um, how I feel. Yeah, uh, I got it on lockdown. Like I think I'm in a robot. But then, of course, when Americans meet me, they're like, "Damn, girl!" Right. Like, when I worked in England, it was like re- I was like the crazy emotional one. I know. Oh, well, that's an even more <laughs> less emotional. Yeah, it was so crazy. I was like, you don't understand. For a Persian, I am, um, like Colin first
1: stoic. I, I am
3: Mr. Darcy. <laughs> yeah yeah what should we dike out about what should we dike out about guys what do you want me to dike out about <laughs> <laughs> whatever you're in the mood for we're up for it why are you making me top your podcast <laughs> uh, if
2: you have something that's burning on your mind or i literally
3: have nothing that's burning on my mind i do not understand why i'm i'm like weirdly doing a lot of press lately why am i pro- what am i promoting right now being alive <laughs> like I have nothing to say. People are like, what are your tips on quarantine? I was like, I don't know. Like, I jerked off like three times yesterday. Like, like I took two naps. I cried for no good I, I watched, I got stoned and watched What's Your Number and thought it was brilliant. Like, like what re a terrible, terrible Anna Faris vehicle and had an
2: emotional response to it.
3: Like this is rock bottom. Why am I sharing this publicly?
2: You don't need any reasons to cry during quarantine. I feel I've been watching a lot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and crying like mm-hmm. horribly and crying at anything that has to do with loss. And I haven't experienced any losses recently. And it's just gutting me. Oh, I
3: have no skin. I have no skin. Mm-hmm. I'm binging home videos. <laughs> That's oh, it.
1: What, what was that? crying
3: at that? What, what home video was that? Uh, like what happens in it?
1: Oh, um, my parents' wedding in Tehran.
3: Oh, God, of course. I can't believe you have oh, that video. I would give anything
1: yeah. for a video of my parents' wedding in Tehran. Um, I'm oh very excited. Can we just excited. watch
3: that now? You have <laughs> yeah. gold. That is what you should put on. That's incredible. <laughs> oh, what is your mom's dress like? What year was it? It was
1: in 81. 80? 70? Mm-hmm. No, yeah, because. Revolution. They got married. They left. I should know this. Eighty, eighty-one. One Eighty, of those. eighty-one. All
3: right.
1: Yeah, she's got a little cap. I'm looking at a picture
3: of her mounted on the wall with it. Can so we I see? Can see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, come show, show it to me.
2: She has a cap on, like a like a Jackie O thing. I didn't. I didn't want to say this before, but Melody's mom is kind of a babe. I discovered that on Mother's Day. Yeah, I'm
3: not at all surprised. My mom's a a hottie too.
2: Yeah, Melody was like posting all these pictures of her mom, and I'm like, she's kind of a babe, and I feel weird about that. I mean, Persian women are hot. Of course, her mother is hot.
3: (laughs) Oh wow! What a cute little. Is that a pillbox hat? Oh, that's beautiful. That's a lovely photo. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, my um, parents found a lot of eight millimeter camcorder tapes that they never converted to VHS in the early 90s. So, my sister's at their house just taking like iPhone videos of the camcorder screen and sending them to me. Um, So, I'm watching a lot of that. And I had them send me a box of just VHSs, and I've been watching those. Do you you have a VHS player? Yeah. I'm impressed. Um, and just crying, crying, crying at my dead grandparents and all of that. And the fact that just mourning my culture, I used to, I'm just like very upset and like, oh my God, I was fluent in Farsi. And just like really ashamed that I'm not anymore.
2: That's what I'm binging. <laughs> you need
3: another thing to feel ashamed about? Yeah, right. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> Were you planning on being in New York for to be at like the epicenter of the pandemic or? <laughs> well, it wasn't a travel choice. It wasn't
3: like, oh, well, that would be a nice place to go. Right. Um, I moved back to New York exactly a year ago. Okay. And I actually, when this all started, I was in Australia. I was living with a filmmaker friend of mine, Sophie Hyde in Adelaide, Australia. And we were both working on scripts and then all of this went down and we went into lockdown together and I was considering staying there. I was like, it's just a couple of months and maybe I'll rent a place here and just stay here. And then it became clear that it like might be the next year of our lives. And I was like, "Yeah, okay, maybe I should go home. Yeah. I'm from here, and my whole family lives here, and it's been a real. It's been a year of just coming to terms with where I'm from and 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 facing a lot of things I think that were fun to avoid before. So I'm back home. It's weird. I mean, as you guys know, it's weird to be here. It's we fight and pay so hard to live in New York proper, right? And it's supposed to be such a privilege, but it's so disgusting and uncomfortable and dirty. And we are now facing the flip side of that. Like the pandemic, in New York is 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 a is a, a really uncomfortable place to be. And I think yeah. every single person is starting to evaluate like the choices that brought them here and whether or not they feel like it's necessary to sustain their life here.
2: Yeah, that's what we've been talking about because, I mean, my wife is probably going to be working remotely at least until the end of the year. And with like stand-up comedy and everything kind of shut down, I'm like, man, for what we pay for our apartment, it seems no, just, it's like... it's stupid what we pay. So crazy to be to be living here right now. And then in also, shoebox. I'm realizing how much um, stress I don't have, like not being out in the city, like not riding the MTA, not being frustrated with like delayed trains, not being around like a lot of strangers and feeling their emotions constantly. And I think like that has helped me psychologically too. So I'm like, yeah, why
3: do we live here? But
2: then also where else would you live? Right. I think that's my biggest question
3: is like, I'm from here. This is who I am and what I do. Like where where else am I going to go? Where are you from?
2: Uh, Originally Montreal. And then move to buffalo. Wow, Montreal seems like an
3: amazing. Go back to Montreal. So, if I got to be in Montreal, I would go
2: there. You know, my wife and I we almost moved back to Toronto after the election and because she's Canadian too, but she was also like going through a green card process here uh and then we realized if we moved to yeah, Toronto, Canadian. she'd have to like that would cancel out the green card yeah. and everything we'd been working toward. So or just like fuck it, we'll stay, we'll stay in New York and not go to Toronto. But Montreal, like she would have to speak French and she's Peruvian and already has a language. So Whatever
3: she can learn. Everyone yeah. speaks English. I don't know. If, it's another uh, romance language. It's, I'm very teen Montreal. Like I, yeah. I haven't been, but everyone makes it sound like it's this magical place to go.
2: Yeah, I've never been and I feel like I love it. Yeah, especially for gays. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of gays in Montreal. And uh, we, I don't know, depending on if they open the border back up, we might try to go this summer. If That's wishful thinking about uh, conditions lifting enough to go there. But yeah. And then I was uh, growing up in Buffalo for the most part. And then um went to school in boston moved to atlanta for work and now i'm in new york and i moved to new york from atlanta and i was like oh my gosh this is where i should have been all along i feel like alive i'm doing comedy now my life is like what it's supposed to be uh and then this quarantine is just like turning everything on its head how many years have you been here i think it's gonna be eight years this summer okay yeah That's A good chunk of time yeah I'm staying. We just painted a couple walls in our yeah. apartment and my wife is like, no, we have to.
3: <laughs> I know, like the hassle of painting a wall in a New York City apartment. You're like, I guess I own this now.
2: We've been putting it off for it's years like and forever. then we're like, well, I guess now we, we should just do it and give in and whatever. Okay, who's ready for a true story? When I entered my MFA program this fall, I knew I was going to have so little time for cooking, so I wanted a solution that would let me have tasty, healthy meals in a flash so that after class, I could still have time and energy to be gay. So I signed up for Factor, which ships you ready-to-eat meals that are chef-created and dietitian-approved. They're fresh, never frozen, so all you have to do is stick them in the microwave for two minutes, and then they're nice and done. Um, The weekly menu has over 35 options. The salmon entrees are always my personal favorite, but they have um, a lot of things you can choose from, options for different dietary needs, like calorie smart protein plus and keto. They also have add ons for when you don't need an entire meal. Um, I tried some good cookies and some jerky, Uh, no prep, no mess. And when I looked into it financially, which was one of my main concerns, it was actually less expensive than uh, takeout and honestly, really close to the cost of buying ingredients at the grocery store down my block in New York City. Uh, And then I saved a lot of time. So to me, it was definitely worth it. Did I mention that the meals are also really delicious? Like I've yet to try one that I didn't like. So if that sounds good to you, I think you should give it a try too. Head to factormeals.com slash out 50 and use code dikingout 50 to get 50% off. That's code dikingout 50 at factormeals.com slash out 50 to get 50% off. During Women's History Month, come explore what feminism means to you with nonfiction storytelling podcast, Thread the Needle. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I'll use my background in journalism to dive into topics that matter to women today. Listen to Thread the Needle wherever you get your podcasts. Are are you still working on your your memoir? Is that still coming out this year? Um, I don't know when
3: it'll come out. I'm still writing it. It's one of those things that I kept delaying. Like I sold the book and then I, I didn't write it for years and I have written chunks of it but it it really is this crazy noose around my neck I don't know how to write a book
2: (laughs) that's what writing always
3: feels like though
2: I don't know. We just got approached uh, this week and I'm like, you know, I never thought about writing a book and it sounds like kind of a nightmare. But Write it first. Just write it first and then sell it. Yeah. Like like I, now that somebody put it out there, I'm like, oh, I guess I have to do it. But I feel like that's so stressful.
3: That's how I got it. Someone put it out yeah. there and it's not really anything I've had experience with. And the things, what I've written, I'm very happy with. And I think there's a lot there and I'm really excited to finish it. But yeah. Um, I keep getting movie ideas and movie opportunities that are just like, I'm a filmmaker. Why wouldn't I do that? Like I, I'm here to make movies, not write books. Yeah. But also there's this book that keeps calling to me and I keep coming back to it. So like, I don't fucking know what it's going to be done, but it'll be done during this quarantine for real. Like I, I can't not finish it now it's three years late. So I am going to write this book. Ooh, but I mean, there's a lot of it's written. that's it's very personal and it's it's a series of comedic essays about my life and about work and about love and food and um mm, a lot kind of, things. of food um eating disorders not like sexy food oh. talk oh no, yeah, <laughs> no not about
2: this another anymore. way for melody to relate <laughs> oh do you also have an eating disorder
1: yeah what the fuck <laughs> What the oh, fuck? It's just um, going
3: to get awkward now. I just No, you're everything. too
1: relatable. It's like very it freaks me out. Um, yeah, I was at least a 100 pounds heavier at one point than what I am now. I really struggled with um like a food addiction. I was super fat as a kid. Um <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> but like that came from there was like trauma which made me like build yeah, yeah, this like yeah. protective I, I'm, I'm like fat wall. And then, yeah, late bloomer because of that, because I was, like, afraid. And that's probably why I was, like, afraid of boys, even though I knew I was, like, bi. But, like, they're mean, you know. They're the ones who made yeah, fun yeah, of yeah. me for being, like, fat and ugly. So that's why that took forever for me to come around. Yeah, I was super fat and ugly. Of course you were. Because, like, Because we're not? the same I mean, person. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck?
2: Um, <laughs> I, I'd like to point out, Melody, this is the first time on the podcast that you've, like, openly talked about being bi.
1: Oh yeah. That's like I'm like ashamed. Like I honestly like not yeah. ashamed,
3: but like you No, know, I understand I, being ashamed. It's really uncomfortable to talk about.
1: I joined this podcast recently. It's called Diking Out, you know. Um Carolyn had a co-host previously. Um they had to go their separate ways. She brought me on literally right before this pandemic, too. so, oh, so you're like, new to this. So I'm like new to podcasting, yeah. new to this. Like, Carol and I are like still kind of getting to know each other. Um, and then I don't want to disappoint all her gay fans. So I'm just like calling myself a dyke, a dyke. I'm in a lesbian relationship. So I'm like, yeah, we're just a bunch you of You round to
3: the nearest
1: sexuality. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> As a bisexual. Um, <laughs> the nearest whole sexuality. Melody
2: and I met at a stand-up show and... Uh, I had her as a guest on the podcast and her episode was masturbation and it was great. And then I was, you know, going through a change in co-hosts and was trying different people out and bringing back people I thought could be a good match. And it wasn't until after Melody came on that she was like, yeah, I might be bisexual, but I, I probably shouldn't say that. Everyone's going to hate me. I'm <laughs> like, no, like most of our <laughs> listeners, I think, are actually would identify as bisexual or pansexual uh, and also, like, at least half of our, our guests, like, everything, yeah. so much more, more fluid now. I was like, as long as you don't mind me calling you a dyke, then <laughs> I think we're good to go. I identify as a dyke bisexual. Uh, yeah, this is the first time I'm, like,
1: actually saying it, which is... <laughs> so funny. Um I'm
3: glad that I've given you this opportunity yes. to out yourself. I mean it's hard. It's hard. It's like you want to fit in, you want to be what everyone else is and what everyone yeah. else around you is when you're especially when you have a girlfriend. Right. who's a lesbian and and so you're kind of like you know, you're rounding up to the nearest the nearest thing, but it's that's the the tricky bit about being bisexual is like it's really neither here nor there.
2: Right. And that, that's um. what I loved about your show so much, man, your show. I mean, I talk about it a lot on the podcast. I bring Dang. it up all the time because I'm like, why are we getting generation Q of the L word? And I'm not baiting you to trash the L word. Uh, but I'm like, why are we getting generation Unless Q? you want to. And not, <laughs> and not a fucking season two of the bisexual, which like watching the bisexual, I'm like, this is the show we've been waiting for. It wasn't, it wasn't the L word, but this show, like, I'm not bisexual. And like, this show was so much more relatable on so many levels. Like, even being the, like, slightly biphobic friends and stuff, Like, I'm like, yeah, we need that mirror held up to us because that was me in my, my early 20s of, like my insecurities making me biphobic and mm-hmm. feeling like I had to convince bisexual women that like women were the better gender <laughs> and you know, just uh, Thanks. Uh, all of that stuff. And then seeing that on TV, I'm like, yes, these are our conversations. These are the relationships we're having. These are the feelings we're having. And why is this only six episodes and <laughs> one season? <laughs> Things. I'm glad you think so. I feel like no one's seen it and it felt I can't like scream really- enough about it. I tell everybody about it because I'm like, this, I mean, seriously, part of, you know, hosting like a, a gay podcast is consuming a, so much horrible queer content. Yeah. And I'm sure you're way too familiar with how terrible content usually is, is for us. And I, I don't know. I have so many questions. Like, Your work is so emotionally naked and it seems terrifying to (laughs) me. And how do you get to a point where you can do that, where you can be like so honest? I would say it's no different than stand-up. Yeah. Good stand-up is raw. And, and you mentioned like liking working on films as opposed to television. What's what's the difference? I mean, like shooting a movie versus
3: shooting television is like, you know,
2: shooting a movie is kind of like, like
3: making love to someone who knows your body and you know them and you're in love, but you're still new enough that it's exciting and, and, and your heart's pounding versus television, which is like going to the red light district on a Tuesday at like noon. You're like, oh god, I've done that, it's terrible. It's terrible. You're like, (laughs) it feels like it's like like there's penetration, like this is still the same thing, but yet everything I love about it has been stripped bare of it and it's purely transactional. I mean that's my experience of television. It just moves very quickly. Um, you're, there's such a glut, like you're moving so fast and you're making, you're doing so much of it, but this is also, and, and like, it's a conveyor belt, like it's a machine. Like there are a lot of systems in place to be like, this is what moves you forward. And it's, it's about making money at the same time. I could not support myself making movies alone. Television paid my rent television sustained me. And I will say about the show, like it stopped because it wasn't loved. Like if audiences rallied behind that show, if we had been given support in the UK, if we had had award nominations, that show would have continued. There wasn't an audience for that show. And as much as like, I love these experiences where people come up to me isolated and say that show meant something to me. It happens rarely. And it means the world to me because it came and left without any fanfare. Like it did not touch my life at all. Like, I mean, it touched my life. Like I went insane making it and then it just came out and left and I just didn't leave my house for months. Like I was went into a real big depression after that show came out. Uh, it did very badly. I don't want to make something that people don't want. I don't want to like, I don't want to be a masturbatory filmmaker. I want to make <laughs> things that people respond to and yeah. need and crave. And that was not a show that people needed or wanted. So I'm aware of that. And I want to respond... Like, I don't, i don't want to make content just because i want attention i want attention and
2: i want people to want
3: it there you
2: go. <laughs> it's so hard for me to believe that i mean obviously i believe you but like that it wasn't wanted just because i don't know my experience watching it and relating to it and so many mm-hmm. of like the little moments in it like even i remember watching the scene of you with um, the one friend in her boathouse and Mm -hmm. how you guys, like, had hooked up and then she said something weird and then there were weird feelings and then she's crying and you guys are just, like, there. I'm like, oh, my God, what lesbian hasn't had this experience? And it's like... I know, but I guess it was just too niche. I guess it was too...
3: too, like, I, yeah, I really love that sequence. that And I love that
2: actress. that, that but oh, I think I it, it was that too small. That, that's such a problem, though. Like, I don't, why, I feel like only lesbian content, or queer content, bisexual content, is seen as being very niche.
3: I guess it could have been broader strokes. Like, I think, like, if my sense of humor were a little bit broader, it could have communicated maybe to people who hadn't personally had that experience.
2: I found it so fun like you're so good at uh circumstantial humor and just like like re-watching it just when you're what's his name John Chris was that the yeah yeah. John Chris when you're making out with him and you have the penis drawn on your face it's like hysterical it's so funny I like this is absurdly funny and I don't know. I didn't mean to make this just me uh, gushing about, about your work, I'll but it. it really... <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I didn't expect a show called The Bisexual to to speak to me so so hard, but it did.
1: We were just talking about that scene, and I do love that scene so much. And then I do love that part where she, well, you should, she mentioned having sex in her teens, and your character's like, oh, I never really... I didn't have sex as a teenager. she's like, well, were you super religious? Like, no, I was just ugly. <laughs> like <laughs> that's just been stuck in my head all day. Just that one singing scene. your song. Hard. So <laughs>
3: funny. Yeah. So funny um, that your name is melody and you're Iranian.
1: Um. Actually, Melody is a really common American or like English name given to Persian, like first, second generation girls Whoa, for some I've reason. Never I've met, met
3: another Melody.
1: Met, I've met like three or four in the last couple of years, Persian Melodies. And one wow. just found me on Instagram recently. This like Persian author who just released some book of Rumi translations. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we had like talked that about that doesn't it. Like, get much more Persian than that. Yeah, I remember going on MySpace um, in high school and trying to <laughs> just find Persians, you know, on the internet. Um, oh. There weren't that many in Connecticut and Central Connecticut, and there was a Persian Pride MySpace group, and there were so many melodies in it. Um, so that's when I first that is became... ridiculous.
3: I've never, I mean, I've just not seen one. Okay, melody, there is a and I song. Think that's incredible. Do you know who Arash is? The do I like know who Arash sweet. is, okay. Yeah, Arash, who's like, Hey, which one is the big one? Temptation, Melody. temptation? Oh, t- no, t- there's temptation. temptation in my heart. <laughs> yes,
1: <I'm laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Arash
1: oh. is a Swedish based Iranian pop star. Uh, he has a song called Melody. <laughs> the only reason
3: <laughs> I find it was the last time I was in Iran, Temptation was everywhere. Like, you could they not love Arash. do anything without it, yeah. He has a song
1: called Melody about a Persian name. Oh, I haven't Melody.
3: I'm not familiar with Melody. You got to look up Melody. Okay, not that I know that Arash has a track. Um, I believe you, <laughs> and I'm so ashamed that I ever thought that Melody <laughs> was the quintessential Persian name. It is not Shadnan, it is Melody.
2: Yeah. Our, um, our Persian listeners are going to be nerding out so hard to this episode. I'm, I'd be really you.
3: impressed if you had any Persian listeners. We do. I've
1: I them. To find, yeah, they oh. reached out since I joined on and at our last Stonewall show. They came out um, to Stonewall um I had yeah. a show. They're in the
3: tri state area. Yeah, Whoa. yeah, yeah.
2: This one was visiting from LA, the one I was that I'm say thinking <laughs>
3: of. Yeah. LA or there,
2: there was right. one at uh, New York Comedy Club. I did a show there, and a Persian listener came up to me afterwards and was like really excited about Melody joining the podcast. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's so it's,
3: wild to me. That yeah. They're Persian dykes.
1: And there's one in Tehran that's uh, somehow, Swung. I don't know Is how she, one there's, there's one, story. there's one Neda in Tehran who listens to the podcast somehow. Like she found me on Instagram and reached out. Oh, that's it's amazing. crazy. Um, Yeah. Neda. Also my fake Persian name. I don't know about you, but I have a fake Persian identity. Um, so I do cause, too. Like, <laughs> Cause your passport
3: needs a Persian name. Like Melody. Yeah. Mark, I'm, I'm so Osir. Neda. <laughs> wait, what's your name? Osir.
1: Oh, I love it. I'm learning so much. Um, My sister, it's Melody and Melissa in the States, and Neda and Sara. (laughs) Sara.
3: We could have just kept you Sara in both countries, but they're like, no, 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 that's a pretty Yeah, yeah, right. Well, on your Iranian passport, you can't have a Western name. So usually, like our parents, uh, when they get us Iranian passports, give us like a fake name.
1: I had no idea. And I've never been to run, too. This was supposed to be the first year I go. My parents just got us the passports because it took them forever to become legal citizens. So it was like if and potentially when they get yeah, yeah, yeah. you know deported, we would go with them. But I was supposed to go for no ruse. Um, ah. We were like planning this big oh, trip. Oh, wow. And, that would have
3: been so amazing. Because we're like,
1: oh, everyone's lax. It's no Like My mom's only been back once since the Do they not worry and that it was you then. have a
3: podcast called Diking Out?
1: Yeah, that's what I keep saying. I'm like, if they Googled me, they would see my stand-up. In an episode on masturbation. Yeah, like, and, but then I would be Netta there. Like, I don't get how it It works, but I feel like I would be slaughtered if I went.
3: There's no rhyme or reason.
1: That's why we said no ruse when everyone's more relaxed. And that's the only time my mom went back. My dad refuses to go back. Um, he's like fully like, I'm American. I'm Oh, yeah. Not. My
3: dad's like that, too. I mean, he can't legally go back, but which is why I think oh, it's really? like opposite. Like, he he likes to, he, the attitude comes, I think, just because he physically can't. But he's very much like, I am American. I don't, don't know what you're talking about. I, mean, like, I don't know dude. why
1: you keep saying you're Iranian. You've never been. Yeah. yeah, yeah, We're, yeah, yeah. We're American. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, my grandpa was in the Shah's army so he could never go back and then yeah, yeah we just yeah, assumed yeah. we couldn't go back but I want to and I just don't see yeah. it happening I was like 2020 is the year I start planning my run trip January 3rd we might be at war with Iran right <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, we'll okay, see
3: <laughs> when's the last time you were there when I was 20 years old, I went to Iran and I actually had a ticket to go back in 2009. And then that, uh, election. Oh, that happened. was like the green. Yeah. 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 Year. So like, I was supposed to fly in right around that time and, and I ended up not going cause I was scared, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I think when you're raised by immigrants you're raised kind of nostalgic for a country, especially a country that's been through revolution. You, yeah, like I grew up nostalgic for a country that doesn't exist. Like, right. the Iran that my parents grew up in, the Farsi that I speak is antiquated. When I speak to people right. who grew up there now, they're like, You sound like my grandma.
1: <laughs> that's what people say to me. Uh, like I'm like listening to Gugush and they're like, Chill out, like we're yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Hip like, hop Gugush now, we're all about
3: <laughs> well, I think Arash would be passe, but when I was last, yeah. there, it was all about Arash. I yeah, don't know who's cool now? Um, right, but yeah, that I was cap. taught to say, like, do you ever say like "das Deutschland" dad Every time, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I sound man, like an old say, person. Like, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's like this thing it's you just, say, like,
3: may your hands not hurt when, like, someone does something, like, gives you a beautiful meal or something. And I said that in front of a friend of mine who grew up in Iran. And she was like, you sound so stupid. She was, just, like, merci, like, yeah, she was like, no one says that. That's a really old fashioned way to say thank you. Like, yeah. may the hands that are not tired while they were making this delicious meal. And you talk to everyone like they're your auntie. Like, someone was like, just say Tok, stop saying Shoma. Like, don't use the formal, just use the normal. But, like, you're raised in a different... But, I mean, that's one example of it. There are so many other ways uh, to put my finger on, like, I don't fucking know where I come from. I'm not quite American. I'm definitely not Iranian. Right. The way an Iranian would be. And um, you're just always a little homesick. And But for nothing. And I, I, especially now, being in New York during this bullshit, you're like, why do I live here? Like, why do I kill myself to live here? Um, Right. This isn't my culture. This isn't my world, but neither is Iran.
1: Yeah. Do you go to there's like um a lot of events like no, Disco I like I go, yeah Oh go
3: well, to Tehran I go to because <laughs> okay. I'm curious. But like I will say I've been to Disco Tehran because I know I'm friends with someone, Arya, who runs it. But like I've gone and I've not had a good time. Like I like those people, I like their music. They're really good people, but like I remember going thinking like I'm gonna find my place finally, and
1: then I was like, no. This is no. Me too. But then it was like a lot of Moroccan music. But there is Yalla party too.
3: I've not heard of Yalla party.
1: <laughs> That's a queer Middle Eastern oh, really? uh, women identifying dance party. I went um, to their oh, wow. Dyke March party. It's a lot of um, Arabic, um,
3: Persian. So like not quite. Oh, Persian too, or mostly
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, Turkish Persian. A lot of Arabs. Like a lot of. Um, turkish and arabic music too but there was some farsi in the music i recognized
3: so yeah there's
1: little pockets yeah (laughs) to make you feel less alone i don't know if you feel this way but i feel like i belong nowhere right yeah constantly
3: you're like oh, this is a party i can see
1: the ingredients for fun cool (laughs) yeah and you probably like grew up i don't know i don't know if you were the most popular but you grow up with that (laughs) outsider (laughs)
3: You know that's
1: not true. Like, well, especially if you have immigrant parents, too. Um, and maybe your parents were legal from the jump, but not mine. Like, I was raised in fear and paranoia. And that, like, translated into yeah. how I behaved in, like, school. And I would be dropped off with a mantra, like, have a good day, be a good listener. Don't speak to anyone unless you absolutely have to. Please don't talk about our personal life. Don't invite anyone over. Oh like Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Like Like, yeah. It was very, like, I was raised to be... Constantly a little paranoid
3: And like have a, a wall up Like okay so that sucks And that's a very immigrant experience of fear But like I also feel like children in Iran Are the bottom of the totem pole Like how dare you exist Like the elderly are the top It's the opposite yeah. it's the of America like, right. The elderly are kings, And let's honor them The children are the dirt In the bottom yeah. of our shoe Go fuck yourself Like get out of my way You're a kid Like I remember I went The first time I went to Iran I was seven years old And there was a game show and where like kids like like would it was like jeopardy for kids. And I remember the host, his whole job was just to like make fun of these kids. I remember one time he was like, You want to be a like this is little Billy, or like sorry, Doryush, who like really wants to be a doctor when he grows up. He's like, You're a fucking idiot. Like you're never gonna be a doctor. Oh my like, god. <laughs> one of the two channels on television aired that program. Like it, just kids are not
1: loved. Do you get dumb pie
3: Yeah. <laughs> Did I get by Do I have slippers? Yeah,
1: that's just um, when you're chased around with a slipper. Oh no, we called it Mr. Belt. Oh okay. Oh yeah, well, no, we had that too. Uh, we we had
2: that <laughs> It was Mr. Belt. Chased with something.
1: Sorry, Carolyn.
2: No, I, I, I was just, I was going to ask if, if you went to like mostly white schools. Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't realize how lonely that feels to be a minority in an all-white school. Like, I don't know. I, I always think about yeah. one of my best friends throughout middle school and high school was Korean. And we were so oblivious to any of her feelings <laughs> around being Korean. And we just could not get it for the life of us. And and we were so close, but there was like so much that she kept from us. And we're like, why, why are there are all these things you're not telling us. Like, why don't you, why do you only tell your Korean friends this? And like, why is there such a divide between your Korean life? And we would be like, give her a really hard time about it. And now that we're older, I'm like, I am so sorry. I'm well, s- you
3: felt left out. I can I can see it. You felt left out, I guess. Yeah, but I, but like- Well, that you were still friends with her. I mean, at least she had friends. <laughs> so like, <her> sure, <laughs> situation sounds pretty cush. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I did not have like a set of Iranian friends and a set of white friends. I was oh, sitting yeah. by Just myself cousins. eating lunch- in the girls' locker room. Yeah. So, like, your Korean friend can suck my dick.
2: <laughs> I mean, no. Her her Korean friends were like her her church friends. No, her uh, she like her Korean friends weren't in our school because our school had like one of each minority, basically, and oh, no, so she, so she was like the token Korean one, and so we just like didn't understand, and then she just like didn't bother trying to let us in because she just kind of knew. We wouldn't get it. And we'd be like, why don't you ask this boy out? And she's like, no, he's not going to like me because I'm Korean. And we're like, that's so stupid, Becky. Like, not everybody's racist. And then and then he'd be like, no, I don't want to go out with you. And we're like, well, that's because he's dumb. It's not because you're Korean. But now it's like, well, it, it was probably because you were Korean. and uh, <laughs> And people were like yeah, not am. into what's different from them when you're in middle school. And that's like... Were you dating in middle
3: school? You make it sound like the only like like obstacle this girl had was her Koreanness. <laughs> like people, we're, we're, people were dating. What was dating. your middle school like? I mean, it was Toronto to be, or or Montreal. To no, be fair. no, no, no. I once, feel like in Canada, people had more fun.
2: Once I was in middle school. No, when I was in Montreal, uh, like I was like in kindergarten, and I was in like a polyamorous relationship with a guy and a girl, uh, and it oh, was
3: that's the way it goes right? in kindergarten. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's a real fuck fest.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the three of us holding hands in, in class every day. Uh, no, but in it was like the suburbs of Buffalo, but people were, were dating a lot. I felt like I felt pressured to have a boyfriend, even though it felt like very forced. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have a boyfriend. But I, I'm also feel like a late bloomer. Like I remember this one guy I thought was like really cute. And my friend asked him out on my behalf. And she came back and she said, well, he said that um, looks shouldn't matter, but he wants to date someone who's at least a little bit pretty. And that just- des- <laughs> Your friend sucks. That destroyed, friend sucks. <laughs> destroyed my self-esteem. Wait, your
3: friend- For the, just, the next seven what, years. The whole point of the system of sending <laughs> the friend is for the friend to be a funnel, like a, a filter through which the dipshittery the right. voice could be filtered. So she right. could be like, you know what? He's gay. Yeah.
2: He, <laughs> she it's failed really weird. me. He, he, so I can't trust like, straight like, women. She
3: failed you. That yeah. bitch was jelly. I bet you he was <laughs> like, yes, I want to be with her. Please. And she was like, no, no, she's gay. Bye. And then she came up to you and she was like, because no one says that. Yeah. To your friend's face.
2: Well, that sat with me for, for a long time. <laughs> You're like, and now I'm
3: a lesbian. So it really...
2: <laughs> affected me that's what turned you gay
3: yeah we all have that one experience I'm sure you make that choice that yeah yeah you make that choice yeah (laughs) he's listening he's 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 dying
2: inside he regrets it every day I hope so What's his full name? <laughs> ben Bayer.
1: All right, uh, <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> just, that's a good. That, that sounds like some I name thing. my like bullies. I just
2: Bayer. I did that once. <gasps> Kevin Matthews once again. Kevin Matthews. Shout out and Kevin ben Bayer <laughs> my dick. It's terrible to do because people from my high school do listen to this. There are, there are a couple of dikes oh, really? from my high school that listen, and non-dikes. Yeah, dikes from my high school listen
1: to this. Uh, shout out and to no my idea. cis
2: male straight friend Robert who is a cop in Buffalo and he is the best and he listens to dyking out and he tells the other cops about what he's learned and I love him for it wait so he's not gonna have learned anything from this episode I feel like I have really he's gonna learn so much
1: and I feel
3: bad okay like I'm anything you'd want a
1: cop in Buffalo to yeah what what
3: should a straight (laughs) cop in Buffalo know (laughs) Um, oh, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> what should a straight cop in Buffalo know? You know, I will say that it's my mother's birthday tomorrow and my brother kept being like, what does she need? And I was like, I don't think mom wants a practical gift. I feel like I was trying to give him just like a good piece of advice, like Artivan. It's her birthday. Get her something stupid. The kind of thing that you, it's impractical and you wouldn't spend money on your, like a stupid, like $70 body lotion. Like, you know, like <laughs> something dumb don't get her thing practical yeah so that's like cop and buffalo if it's your mama's birthday like something she don't need but wants yeah listen listen throughout the year for things she likes that she picks up at the store and is like oh this is nice and then puts back you know my mother did that yeah. with some lotion and I bought it because I knew she liked that and it was too expensive to spend money on but that's a present and he was like well I think like what did he say? He said, he was just being so stupid and straight. I was like, stop, <laughs> stop, listen. And he was like, well, whatever, she has flowers. And it's like, no, she has flowers, but she talks about them constantly. She is, she loves having fresh flowers. Like that's just something that she likes. And the reason she has so many is because she talks about it all the time and her friends know to send them to her. Send her more.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, don't,
3: don't look for practically what, you know, Uh, Dimmers, does mom? If mom were talking about dimmers a lot, then like, yeah, we could like set her up with some nice dimmers. Like, it's thoughtful. (laughs) But I feel like for your birthday, you just want a little bit of spoil. You want like, like mom likes a bath. Let's get some nice bath salts. Like, let's let's really like do something thoughtful. Yeah, that is stupid and impractical. But he didn't listen to me. My brother never listens to me, and I'm so much
2: smarter when it comes to women. Only when it comes to women. So, what he end up getting her something dimmers? I don't know. We went separate. I was like,
3: I can't collaborate with you anymore. Yeah. Actually, I, we want to. I'm going to look up the text because it was. I was so pissed off. I was like, you're not listening to me. Is he like your brother character
1: that you yes. write and portray? Cool.
3: <laughs> he is exactly the character in appropriate behavior. <laughs> He's just like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is what he said. I forgot. I bet she would love blackout curtains. <laughs> 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 so stupid and straight <laughs> I bet she would love and you know what me personally Desiree I love a practical gift but this isn't for me this is for Yasmin you know this is for another woman a woman who will when you FaceTime her show you around her apartment to the different flowers and be like Vida sent me these when my mother <laughs> died look at these and I'm like I get cool like so proud just send more flowers. Like, like, don't make it hard. Uh, she talked about her bath for like 30 minutes. Mom likes the bath. Get some stupid expensive bath salt. Why blackout curtains? <laughs> no. She's like, but, 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 but her place is so bright in the mornings. No. No. She needs the light for the flowers. But right. I think she's got enough flowers. <laughs> no. You know what? My brother doesn't look, doesn't listen to dyking out. So I feel like I could just say anything right now.
2: Yeah. Drag He's not
3: like that police officer in Buffalo.
2: Yeah. You know, <laughs> who
3: supports you. Uh,
2: I'd be so afraid of making a character of my sister into... <laughs> Well, I think it was with a lot of love. There's nothing in that character
3: that I genuinely like any real problems I would have with my brother, I wouldn't put on screen. Right. I think that that's the thing about fictionalizing people you love is like you try to be gentle, you like lampoon the things that are lovable, but to actually like put in your actual beef with them or try to work out things that suck about your relationship, like, no, that would be ugly and unfair. Mm.
2: Yeah, I, passive aggressive. I I struggle yeah, with that sure. because there there are like some things in my life that I find fascinating that I haven't seen represented in anything, and I'm like, I would love to tell this story, but I think I have to wait for my mom to die. Like, I think oh, my, I think
3: like, that
1: all my mom time. would be like so
2: humiliated, humiliated if I like told certain stories.
3: I mean, the question is, though, who's the butt of the joke and like who's being right. exposed, who's vulnerable? Like I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do things where my loved ones were made vulnerable. But I, I think that in all my work, I'd like to think that I am the one who's the most vulnerable.
2: Yeah, it comes across that way. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. What, what was it like working on Cameron Post, which is something that you you hadn't written when your stuff is you know, mostly like very honest and real to your experience?
3: Uh, Cameron Post felt very honest and real to my experience. I mean, we adapted the script and it it was an easy tie. Like it, it wasn't literal as a translation to my life, but it felt that it was about, you know, being a teen and wanting to be better. Yeah. Like wanting, like, well, like, you know, a couple things. One, feeling sick And wanting to get better is something I I definitely related to, that there's something quite wrong with you and that if you just like follow a prescriptive course of action, you could exercise yourself of those sins. And then um, also that moment in life when you realize like none of the adults have any answers and you're kind of fucked. You're kind of on your own. And it was also about the humor and putting myself in there. It felt personal. It felt weirdly personal.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it really resonated with my girlfriend. We saw it in theaters. And we did she, too. Thank
3: you for going to the theater. We went to the oh, theater for it as well,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah? Um, Allie had to leave uh, for a second because she didn't realize how relatable it would be. Like, she was sent away to a camp in the no, woods. She for, like, trouble. Yeah, it was, like, a little too real. Um, Fuck. Yeah. Which I didn't realize actually happened. Right. I mean, you read about it, but, um, yeah. It, she said it was very accurate.
3: Wow. I'm so sorry
1: to hear that. Yeah.
3: She's in the South, right?
1: Yeah. Um, there's a place in Knoxville, Tennessee. A lot of people, it's called the Peninsula, and it's a big, like, psych ward. And it also has. Um, it's
2: not where Garrett Conley went <laughs> for, for boy <laughs> raised, but that, because that's like another Tennessee based conversion oh, therapy. Yeah.
1: It is where I've heard, like, drag queens on RuPaul, like, RuPaul's Drag Race talk about being sent to the same one. I guess it's a popular southern place. They send troubled kids. Um, and it sounds horrifying. They just, like, break you down fully
2: um, to build you back up. And obviously it didn't work. Yeah. Melody and I were uh, AMC Stubbs uh, members and trying to support as many like queer and female directed movies as possible before this all happened so you guys are fighting the good fight thank you it makes a difference you really feel it
3: and and the business of making movies is a lot about eyes and ticket sales so when people show up and see people it's like voting Like you vote Mm -hmm. with your money. That's how it feels. I think this should be made. Yeah, hundred percent. And it feels
2: like you have to rally people around you to to go and do it and to see it in theaters too. Like every time um, a woman director, or I I remember, like with Booksmart too, everybody was like, "Go see it in theaters." It's like not doing as well as it should, and it's because it'll make a big
3: difference. Like cherish the things and like champion the things you love. Make it known that you love them and you can be strategic about how you support those things and you show that there's an audience for them. It's really exciting to see the response to Portrait of a Lay on Fire, which is a brilliant film and did brilliantly in a lot of different territories and has really proved, proves that there's an audience for that content. Yeah. It's amazing. It's one of my favorite films.
2: I was so excited when it came to Hulu too. I feel like Hulu is doing pretty good in the queer content acquisition they take a lot of risks yeah the work
3: they make
2: that's nice uh as opposed to like other i mean i i was shocked when showtime put out work in progress at the same time as generation q i was like whoa it makes sense i mean i think it makes sense it was a smart move for for them to Mm -hmm. do but like it seemed like i mean they also queer as folk was also showtime right yeah. So yeah, they had that. They they had the L word, but I felt like you know most networks. Yeah, would work think in like, progress That's is so many.
3: so queer, and yeah. it's, um it's it's not at all what you would think as commercial, especially compared to something oh, yeah. like Generation Q. So it was really refreshing to be like, oh, this palate cleanser, like something about not just a dyke, but like a fifty-year-old dyke, you know, like with suicidal, like could yeah. how out there can you get and it's really charming and I I very much enjoyed watching that show
2: it's it's funny that like the I don't know why it's like the L word it's like something that we can all talk about that we all have this common language about and that's again another like super relatable thing from the bisexual is when you turn to your roommate (laughs) and you're like just because we're talking about the L word right now doesn't mean that that's all we talk about (laughs) and like have so many moments like that where I feel like we talk too much about it, but for so long, that was like the common language. It was such like, a
3: language. I mean, right. it's like the way we all talk about our coming out stories. Like right.
2: it's, it matters.
3: It weirdly is. Yeah. It's a what big, fueled my
1: coming out and real. Like I just went to college and my roommates and I decided to opt for showtime in our cable package freshman <gasps> year. And like, boom, suddenly
2: I have all this on demand l word and that's how it happened you know lucky we it was have. a special show do you have any upcoming works that you can talk about that are like your personal projects i'm developing things i'm i'm working on a, a gay rom-com right now
3: and also i wrote a a script uh T- a Farsi language movie that takes place uh, during the Islamic Excuse revolution. Me? Really? Yeah. I'm really excited, but that's you know, awesome. who knows when we'll shoot it because right. of the way the world is. So it's all a huge question mark.
1: Well, yeah, that's very exciting to hear.
3: Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking intimidating to to make a film about a country you've never lived in, but right it feels like I have to do this. And it just was one of those stories that kept calling out to me and was like, I, I want to make this very badly. So I like it. I like that they're both such different projects that one is, is, you know, period and disco seventies and Varsity And the other one is like you know, Nora Ephron romantic. And yeah.
2: Well, I feel like we've taken up a, a good amount of your time on a Friday night. Uh, It's time to call my mother guys. Yeah.
3: I gotta say, she texted me before this. She was like, can you get on the phone? I have a problem. Oh no. She can't get into her email or something. And I I just, I got to call my mom and help her figure out like the New York state website or something, something soul crushingly boring
1: okay well salam soon to your mom um, and uh
2: what's up to your mom from me you know? yeah yeah yeah
1: and and look up melody by arash for sure i will i
3: will i mean I'm, it's gonna be my new ringtone
1: <laughs> it's it's catchy
2: Thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you, Desiree. Thank you so much,
1: guys. I really appreciate it. Does Thanks show for
2: watching,
3: my Just nah, <laughs> to <laughs> 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 I, mean, I didn't cook you anything, but uh, next time. I know. <laughs> 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 You'll get it later, Karen. just got to learn more. So. I'll explain it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> it's so nice to meet you guys. Have nice a great to meet you, Friday too. Enjoy, Enjoy your partners. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Take, take advantage of the fact that someone can touch you because no one can touch me and I am going
2: downstairs. Well, I guess I need to learn Farsi. That's my <laughs> takeaway of that interview, Melody. You got to yes. get me up to speed. Though I think I kind of knew the gist of what was going on, of what was being exchanged. Yeah. yeah I followed. I think our listeners. Yeah. Hopefully. just
1: well, a for bearing with us. And that's the very fancy way of saying thank you that she talked about. Yes. That's <laughs> like, may your hands not hurt, or we just say merci. So you could start with that for your first Farsi word, merci. That's very <laughs> close to French. Farsi is the only Middle Eastern Indo-European language.
2: Well, that's interesting. I mean, this episode yeah. is Persianality. So, you know, any any last things you want to say about <laughs> that we didn't cover in this Persian-heavy interview? We didn't even mention that Persian culture is
1: gay. Like, it's just gay. The men are flamboyant. They're constantly shimmying and shaking their shoulders. Like, the men are very effeminate. I think it's it's g- very gay in that yeah. way. Um, and that the women pretty much run the house, and the men are pretty... Like, the dads are always very beaten down to, you know, a shell of a man. Um, and it's very, like... Butch mom, effeminate dad I don't know, I'm generalizing sure. And I'm speaking about my experience And a lot of
2: Your dad's listening, he's like, hey <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh no, he'll be the first To admit it um, <laughs>
2: Well, wasn't Am I wrong in remembering that the infamous South Park episode The lesbian one Was also, it was like lesbian and Persian Oh my god The scissor me Xerxes see that what? Episode? I didn't see that. <laughs> well, I always had to sneak watch. Oh stuff my God. Like, there with. is an episode that's like all about like the, the, the scissoring jokes run through the episode. And I remember seeing it when I was younger and it's so funny, but I think it's like the plot line. It's like lesbian meets Persian culture. Oh shit. I, yeah. I hope I'm right about this. <laughs> I, I'll track okay. that down. Um, <laughs> But I I hope you guys all enjoyed that conversation with Desiree. Check out her stuff. Yes. I guess follow her on social media. I don't know if she cares about that. But she's too cool. She's too cool. I uh, she's didn't cool. even ask her you to know. to plug her social media because it just didn't seem oh, right. Oh, did we Yeah, we didn't even think to. Yeah,
1: She'll dance in and out of your life when you need her. She's she's too cool for that. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, we should move on to our listener question now. (laughs) All right, time for the listener question. My wife and I are in our early 50s. I am now in post-menopause, and I have found that my sex drive hasn't changed. My wife is pre-menopause, and it's going through a lot of changes, and her sex drive is at the moment non-existent. We haven't had sex in over a year now. I haven't been that bothered by it. We are affectionate towards each other, still up to a point, but things like deeper kissing and touching have become a lost thing, which makes me sad. Maybe she thinks that making out means I will expect sex, but I honestly don't need sex or want her to feel pressured in any way. I just want to feel that deeper, affectionate connection between us again. I've tried to ask her about it all, but she either doesn't give me an answer to relate her emotions articulately or she makes it into a joke how do I approach this kind of sensitive dialogue from maybe a point that I've not considered?
2: Well, this was another question that we had to pare down and was a lot lengthier. And just some other details I'll add in is that this uh, listener does not want us to say go to therapy because that's not accessible (laughs) to them. So that's fair because that would be my answer. (laughs) And, (laughs) uh, And also that there may be some body weight insecurity issues with the wife. It's hard to give advice to you, honestly, on this one, because I don't know what conversations you've had, but I think the key is communication. And even though if she jokes about it when you try to communicate, maybe point that out and say hey, I'm really trying to have this conversation with you and you keep making jokes about it and that makes me feel like you don't care about my feelings around this or something like that. Like, let her know exactly how you're feeling. Let her know that sometimes you just want to make out without it leading to sex. Like, maybe you say, hey, I don't want to have sex right now, but I really want to make out. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, go for a walk.
1: Get to the middle of the park and just be like, you want to make out? Because,
2: you know, you're not going to have that expectation to have sex. That's great. That is great advice, is be in a semi-public in public. place where you wouldn't dare have sex uh, if you're boring. I do like some public sex. No, uh- <laughs> do you? I have. <laughs> I have, too. I know it doesn't once. seem like it. I know it doesn't seem like it, but I've had plenty of... Trysts on rooftops. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a sensitive issue. There are a lot of things that for any human, a lot of factors go into like whether or not you want to have sex. And it can be very... Uh, emotional. I know Cindy Washington has a joke about how, like, she can't come unless, like, all her bills are paid, her, you know, her <laughs> checkbook is in order, everything like that. Yeah. It's like, for some people, just like minor stresses will make them not in the mood. Sometimes the fact that, I mean, if you haven't had sex for over a year, Now, now it's its own thing. Now it's become like this big stressful thing to confront, which is also enough to keep killing the mood. (laughs) If there's like some anxiety around and it's like this big issue of like, well, we haven't done it in a year. So talking and then baby steps of working up to it. And yeah, I don't know, maybe just just finding a way that you both can be comfortable and being open and, and honest with each other. Uh, but you just both need to feel safe. Yeah. I mean, look into oysters. (laughs) I'm just thinking of aphrodisiac. Yeah, okay.
1: (laughs) Well, for me, the benefits of marijuana for my sex life because I am on antidepressants and Prozac just kills your libido, I really, like, I have to get very crafty and creative, and sex is becoming a thing now that I've switched medications, and this works in every other facet of my life except sex, so yeah, uh, smoking weed really helps. Um, If you're in a state where it's legal, you can go seek out a certain indica, or one that is good for body highs, and if you're not in those states, I've heard oysters do great things. (laughs) Pretty sapphic.
2: I think, too, sometimes just changing uh, things up a little bit. Like, you might not feel—I don't know. Like, uh, sometimes—I know for for me personally, sex might not be a priority. Like, I'll feel like my life is so busy and there's all this stuff going on, and then I won't make sex a a priority. And in order to make it a priority, um, you have to add, like, an element of— excitement, because when things are exciting, you kind of bump it to the the top of the list. So even something like, you know, doing it at a time of day that you normally don't do it, or a place in the house where normally you're not getting it on, like, that that can be enough, I think, to at least get the conversation going, in my experience. So delicate dance. Like,
1: don't, like, make it a priority, but don't feel, like, overwhelmed by a priority. You know, yeah. like don't make it feel like a, a thing, but, but do like, well. yeah,
2: I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it. If we feel like we've kind of gone a little bit without having sex and we'll kind of check in and be like, Hey, I, 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 I'm very attracted to you and I want to be having sex I don't know why but I've been just like stressed out or really tired whatever and then she'll be like oh yeah me too you know and that's like enough to just break the tension so it's not sitting there because the the tension um, around not having sex and I think the fear of lesbian bed death is like also a boner killer you know Um, so you know best of luck I hope you come soon
1: <laughs> Come yeah, again.
2: With your partner. Uh, you could do it by yourself anytime, <laughs> honestly. But it sounds like it's not about the coming. It's about the intimacy. Uh, right, right, right. Get right, that right. intimacy. Well, if you have uh, a question for us, you can send it into dikingout at gmail.com or you can go to slash dikingout. That's W I S I O.com. Yeah, if you want something immediately or maybe more private or it's a more specific, lengthy, detailed question that we couldn't possibly read on air, please just go to com, And for a little bit of money, uh, we'll give you the best answer that we can muster on video. Uh, follow us on Patreon for extra content. You can follow us at Instagram, at Diking Out, Facebook, Twitter. We're all over the place. Do it if you haven't already. Follow me at TGI Carolyn. Follow me at Melody Kamali. And we will dike out with you with another exciting guest next week.
1: we will protect you. Our podcast is spoiler-free so first-time viewers can listen
2: along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? <laughs> your search is at an
1: <laughs> end, my friend, because we did exactly that. So if you've never watched Buffy or if you're about to watch the series for the 14th time, come over and join us. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at BufferingCast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.